welcome to Hearts and Stripes, your one-stop shop for all things military marriage. I hope our discussions and interviews equip you with the tools to start or grow a beautiful marriage as we address the benefits and challenges of marriage. I believe life's most precious moments are worth celebrating, so I'll help you design your marriage blueprint in alignment with your core values. Thank you for joining us, and remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Let's do this. So let me jump in to Lakeisha's official bio. So Lakeisha Cole is a former journalist turned media maven. She is the mom of three and she is living that lush veteran family life. You may know her as the 2014 Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year. She is also the author of Mommy Retailing, A Mom's Guide to Starting a Boutique. This entrepreneur and author has taken on new challenges with her company, ShePR. And I love that she is on a mission to connect women thought leaders with the media. She is ensuring that women that want a seat at the table get one. Now, let me just read off some of these receipts. Lakeisha has been featured by the, the Today Show, NBC, CBS, Fox, Ebony, Black Enterprise, Military Spouse Magazine, Military.com, and Military Family Magazine, just to name a few. She is someone who has been in the spotlight, and I love the fact that she is now shining a light on other women. Ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome to Hearts and Stripes podcast, Lakeisha Cole. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Hearts and Stripes. Lakeisha Cole is joining us on this very special Heart to Heart. Lakeisha, say hello to everyone. Hello. Happy, what's today? Wednesday. Happy right. Wednesday. We don't even know what day week it is anymore. <laughs> Between quarantine life and just all the things going on. Um, it has been crazy, but I'm so excited to just have the opportunity to chat with you today. Um, you have truly inspired me personally, and I know our listeners are going to glean some wisdom from our conversation, but let's kick things off. It's hearts and stripes. You know, I'm all about strengthening military marriages. Let's talk about your mill marriage story. My male marriage story. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, wow, my male marriage story started 20 years ago. Um, I met my Marine at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. At the time, my parents were stationed there. I came home on Christmas break from college. Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride. Um, <laughs> and I met my husband. Well, then friend at a I think we were at a house party and someone introduced me yes to house party I love it <laughs> and we met and you know I thought he was cool nice guy um but at the time I was actually dating someone else mm -hmm. um, so it was just us kind of meeting and passing and then I came home on I can't remember when it was I Greensboro was close to Jacksonville, so it was about three and a half hours. So I would come home often. Right. Um, and I remember coming back home over the weekend, and 
me and my girls went to the club. It was a club called Club Rumors back in the day, which was the place to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met him again. And at that time, I was no longer dating the guy that I was dating when I had met him the first time. So we exchanged numbers. Um, and that was sort of how we met. We, we joke and try to tell people we... Um, I think of something more romantic to tell people when they say, how did you guys meet? And, you know, no we say, well, I met in a club at a party, but Usher you know. made a whole found love in a club song. You don't <laughs> have to, <laughs> you don't have to make it sound good. That That's real. That, I love it. I love that's, it. That's the real truth. And, um, and so that's how we met. Um, we dated for a couple of years. We ended up getting married two months after I graduated from college and then two months later he deployed um it was supposed to be a six-month deployment and that six-month deployment turned into almost 12 months now that was back doing the initial um push into Iraq yeah so things things were a lot different yeah ops Um, temple was different back then right exactly um, and I was a you know new military spouse, didn't really have any friends, wasn't really sure. I don't even think I even knew this whole military spouse community existed back then. Um, so I just connected with you know the friends that, that I had, my family, and I really just stayed busy while he was deployed. Um, once he came home, we ended up uh, PCS into Virginia. Um, and then from that duty station, we went to California, back to the DC area, went over to Okinawa, came back to um, North Carolina, and then he retired two years ago from Marine Corps after 20 years of service. And now we are loving the retirement life. Yes, congratulations on the retirement life. That is awesome. And and I love how you shared all of the locations that you've been, but I'm gonna have to go back because you left out some amazing portions of that story, which is all that we eloped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just that you eloped, but even just what you, when you were saying you didn't even know anything about this military community. And I think yeah. the part of your story is that I really enjoy is how you started to create a sense of community and also um, just kind of how you started and created your own. Like, let's be clear, we already heard in the official bio that you are an author, an entrepreneur. So where along those stops did you kind of start um, to discover that you could do these things and, and really start just diving in and doing them? Well, I I don't think there was ever a moment where I thought that I couldn't, right? Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. That's, that is just not even in my genetic makeup of if you, if it's something that you want to do, you figure out how to do it. The part that sort of caught me off guard was some of the restrictions and regulations and not being able to move as fluidly as I, as I was used to. Right. Um, right. So that part was a bigger adjustment for me is not being able to do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it. Um, so when I, when we were stationed in Okinawa, I had, let's see, let me back up. So my background is in journalism and public relations, and I have always prided myself in being able to find really cool job opportunities that may not have been directly in my field. Um, but it allowed me to use use my strengths and my skill sets, right, to continue to 
to build my resume and and progress in uh, uh, many different areas. I when that. I got to California, um, the 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 holes my whole world sort of just flipped upside down. Got to California. And I just knew I was about to live this sunny Cali life and I was going to find me a great job and, you know, lay out on the beach and do all these things you see on TV. Right. About, live the know, life. Yes. Um, and at the time we had one, we had my oldest Kaylee. And at the time, I think she was maybe two or three. Um, got to California and I could not find a job. And here I am thinking, you know, I did everything my parents told me to do. I went to college, I got good grades, I graduated, so I got the education, I got some work experience. Um, like who wouldn't want to hire me? Like on paper, I thought I was just the bomb and everybody right. should want to hire me. But when I got to California, I that was when I first encountered you're overqualified for this job. Mm -hmm. And that was when I had my first experience of not being hired because of my marital status, essentially. Wow. Uh, so I decided that, okay, no one wants to hire me. I hired myself. And I that's like really that. how it started. I knew I was going to sort of pivot into entrepreneurship at some point, but didn't really know when or how to do that. Right. You um, weren't thinking but, you had to do it so soon because on paper, right. you could go after whatever it is that you saw at any location and felt like you'd be a good fit there. So you never had to. Mm -hmm. I never had to. Um, so when my, when I felt like my back was up against the wall, I thought, well, now's the perfect time to see if this is something I really want to do. No, um, awesome. I've always had an eye for, you know, fashion and putting, you know, garments together and things like that. And people would often ask me where did I purchase certain things from? Like I could be, you know, in the grocery store and someone would say, oh, I love those earrings. Or I could, you know, be in the, in, you know, the PX or somewhere and someone would compliment me on my dress. So I knew that right. there was always like something that that's something that I had, but never thought that I could wrap it into a business and actually get people to buy these things from me. Yeah. Um, so when that light bulb went off, I decided, well, my husband's deployed again. By this time, I think this is like, maybe our second or third deployment. And I'm in California, just me and my daughter, all of my family's on the East Coast. I said, well, let me test the waters and see if I can launch an online boutique. Um, I took $500 out of our checking account. I drove myself to the garment district in LA. Yes. Taught myself how to buy wholesale, how to negotiate wholesale rates, like completely on the fly. Um, and I left with a full... Well, what I thought at the time was a full collection um, and had already started getting the ball rolling um, with a neighbor who's going to help me build a website, put the merchandise up on the website, boom, sold it. Look and at that. That was my first, that was my, my sort of first taste of um, entrepreneurial life. Um, then I just started gradually growing the business. I did eventually land the job there um, that I actually ended up loving and was able to transfer back to the East Coast um, nice. with the same company in a different position. Um, and this was back before we were talking about, you know, portable careers and, you know, all of that stuff. This was way before I remember that conversation starting. Um, so even though I was working, I was still building this business because now that I've had a taste of what felt like 
a path to like financial freedom for me. Mm-hmm, I wanted mm-hmm. to do more of it. So and let, I me, to work. Go let ahead. me unpack that a little bit right there. So I love how, even though you were, like you said, back was against the wall, mm-hmm. you saw an opportunity in the fact that no one else was hiring you. You decided to start your own and did it successfully the first time but you mm-hmm. still opted to go with a position that could t- continue to grow your skill sets, could continue to um, provide you income, but you didn't leave that entrepreneurial venture just by the side. It's something that you kind of took with you and grew at a pace that you felt comfortable growing, which I love that because I think a lot of people think it's either or. And I can I can say that I'm doing the same thing. I work and I have a career that I've enjoyed doing for several years. And my entrepreneurial venture for me is a part of my exit strategy and things that I want to do on a greater scale later on. So I love that that is a a part of your story as well. Continue to tell us what happens when you go to uh, Okinawa and these other areas, how how does that shift your entrepreneurial venture? And and when when does this book come out? Yeah, so fast forward to Okinawa. by the time we receive orders, my online store was already rocking. Um, daily orders, um, we've had, we have a good, you know, sizable customer base. Um, and I felt pretty good with what, what I had built really from nothing yeah. um, at that time. So getting orders to Okinawa, this was like, okay, this is my opportunity to um, do this full time. I'm not going to go there and find a job. I'm really going to see if I could make a living by running my business. So I get there and I'm like, okay, it's go time. Like there's nothing stopping me now. Right. Um, until I realized there are all these um, SOFA regulations that prevent you from um, working and prevent you from conducting commercial activity uh, on a military installation. Wow. Uh, we were we were mandated to live on base because back then if housing wasn't at 70, 70% capacity, you had to live on base. Right. No option. Right. On, no option. And living on base meant you were required to have a FPO, APO mailing address, which completely, which, which made it pretty much impossible for you to run an e-commerce business because you're not allowed to receive or ship uh, commercial goods through right. that mailing address. So once I sort of dissected all these moving pieces and, and realized, oh my goodness, I can't run my e-commerce store. And now what am I going to do with all these customers? Like, how am I going to ship their merchandise? How am I going to get merchandise? Right. And really started to, to panic. Um, so I actually had to shut my business down for about four to six months. And mm-hmm. I had to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to make it work. Um, I fast forward, I was able to come up with some workable solutions um, and was able to land a short-term contract with AFES that allowed me to open my first brick and mortar store in Okinawa. Um, what that experience taught me was that it was so challenging getting that, that space. I knew that other spouses were attempting to achieve the same thing, or at least in my mind, I thought you know, if right. I'm out here trying, trying to secure space, there has to be someone else. Surely there has to be somebody else. Right. It's not just me. 
Um, and then when I realized that it wasn't just me and I was for whatever reason, the one given the opportunity to, to have this storefront, I decided that I was going to use that space and turn it into more of a community marketplace and allow other military spouses who want that same opportunity, but may not have, yeah. you know, the network on the, or the access that I had at the time to, to get their own store, just open it up and let as many spouses who make things sell their products in your store. And that's what we did. I mean, we had about 26 um, brand, those are spouse brands to come through our store. That's amazing. The, almost four years that we were there. Um, we took that same model and, and adapted it when we PCS back to the United States uh, in 2016. We went back to Camp Lejeune. Um, we kept that same marketplace model. Um, and it worked well for us until it no longer worked like most businesses, you know? Right, right. But I think I love that you said that though, it worked until it no longer did because what it sounds like is throughout your story, you were be, you were um, open to the challenges. You were always ready to figure out what that next challenge brought and with the new okay. challenge brought new opportunities to um, share what your dream was with a community of people like that marketplace uh, concept was brilliant, not in just that your your um, clients who are coming in to support and purchase from the store can have now a variety, but it also opened the door to other mm -hmm. spouses to get a taste of what it is like to be to be a part of a storefront, which I know probably was the first time for many um, of the people in the brands that, that you had there. So that was awesome to see yet again, you you're figuring it out along the way. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where when you're given access or platform, and if you're not leaving the door open for others at what's the point of, of having, absolutely, you know, and, and some would even say privilege or access, you know, to a network, what's the point of you're not leaving that door open for others. And I know that we have not concluded on the the fashion and the boutique side of things. Um, as, as I mentioned in the bio, you are the author of Mommy Retailing, A Mom's Guide to Starting a Boutique. But let me just utilize that last point that you said, you know, what is the point if you're not going to uh, bring other people? It's the same energy that you bring to she PR. And that's why I think you are uh, finding so much success as the media maven, um, bringing women to this table. And, and if they want a seat, you are ensuring that they get a seat and they are getting a, a chance as thought leaders to, to take the stage and to really utilize their voices and their skill sets and their talents in, in new ways. So can you just share a little bit about ShePR and kind of how you transitioned from one entrepreneurial venture to now using that background in journalism in this new one? Uh, sure. So you know, when I, can I back up a little to when sure. we piece back to the United States and I opened my first store in 2016, we opened another store in 2018, hurricane came through and one was in North Carolina, one was in Virginia, hurricane came through North Carolina and that store just never recovered the way mm. I wanted it to recover. Yes, we still had customers. Yes, we were still making money. Um, but, you know, at some point you, you have to make a decision 
if it's worth the financial uh, risk to continue. Right. Um, so we decided that we were going to give it a year, knowing that you know the community was hurting. We were trying to rebuild. The community was trying to rebuild. Let's give it a year and see how it, it bounced back. And it just never recovered the way we needed to, that we can sort of validate staying in that area. So right. we closed that store. We closed that store about a week before COVID hit. <laughs> and the second store in Virginia just didn't recover from COVID. So mm -hmm. here you have this brand that, you know, that I've built for the past, what, seven, 10 years. Um, and then to see it kind of just get wiped out by yeah. life, things life. that you just can't even plan for or things that are just completely out of your control. So what I did was once I decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And let me say, I'm one of those business owners who I don't get so married to an idea or concept to the point where I can't recognize when it's no longer working. Like yeah. there are some people who just hold on to, you know, that business because this is what they're known for. If it is not working, if it's not producing, if it's not profiting, it's not serving, you know, the community or, or my customers in the way that it was designed to, it, it's time to revisit and it's time to let it go. Right. And I that's what that. I had to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I went back to my roots and decided that, you know, I've kind of gained all this experience along the way in, you know, helping people create their own personal brands and, and helping people leverage their, their influence um, and using that and wrap it into creating strategies to help them grow their business. Right. right. Um, so I decided to start my own public relations agency. And this was really at the intersection of, you know, my advocacy work in the community with, you know, working with lawmakers on helping with military spouse employment issue. Um, and then taking my media expertise in my new life outside the military. Now that my yeah. husband is retired, um, and I thought this was the perfect reset for me. Um, and it felt like a natural transition. Um, and it just felt like it was time. You know, I need, I wanted something that was uh, the, the, I wanted something that was completely different from what I was doing before, yeah. but something that didn't take away my time for my family. Um, yeah, that was probably the, the biggest driving force is something that allowed me to make money, something that I enjoyed and that didn't take away time for my kids and my husband. Um, so she PR, I launched um, in February, actually, and we are a boutique PR agency where we help women thought leaders accelerate through strategy and media. Um, I, as a long term uh, mentor, I've always helped moms and women kind of discover how to convert their interests and skills into a profitable business. So you know, at this time is when I realized that I should really focus specifically on the empowerment and rising influence of women, given the current, you know, state of where we are Absolutely. Um, in the country, in the world. And just thought it was a great pivot for myself and for my brand. And and I love this pivot. I love that you said that you did it thoughtfully know, with where you were, the season that you were in, thinking about your family and thinking about your marriage. And, and I love that that it was at the center of your decision-making process. And I mean, it's, it's, 
like you said, a natural transition, especially because you were utilizing all of these things throughout as you face different challenges, you were very strategic in how you opted to move. You had the um, exposure with um, recognitions that you'd received. You know how to work with media. You had gained a large network um, from a political front and also from a media uh, standpoint. So the fact that you thought through that and utilized everything that you had put in your tool bag along the way to now um, put women more so on a platform and helping them utilize that strategy and, and utilize those connections so that they can um, just make a greater impact today is, is amazing and it's so needed. And I think, um, like you said, the timing on this is, is perfect. Um, we are seeing such a transition in our country. I would say even a little bit more of an, an awakening of seeing the power of minority voices and women specifically um, that we need people like you to champion and to bring women who have been doing this. I mean, you're talking about thought leaders. So a lot of them have been doing this for some time and now is the time for them to kind of take that step forward. And I love that you're helping them do so. Yeah, you know, whether you, you wanna build a brand that reflects and supports, you know, women's our everyday reality or whether you wanna run for office um, or just seek better connection uh, with women voters. I want to be that person to help you do that. Um, I like to say my superpower is harnessing those distinct uh, feminine brand traits and then taking those and using them to, to help business owners, thought leaders, um, build strategy and messaging to deliver across, you know, traditional media outlets that not only resonate with women, but drives long-term wonderment, financial value, yes. um, or even results at the, at the ballot box as we're seeing tonight. So I definitely have picked my lane. Um, and this, this time around, I think what, what makes it a little different is I'm, I've always been outspoken, but I've, I've somewhat been a little more conservative in my messaging, especially with my retail brand. Um, but now I don't want to say I, I, I care less. Uh, now I'm more focused on who I'm serving and what I feel like my purpose is. And I feel like my purpose here is to serve women who want to lead the world. And that's awesome. I love that. I do have a question for you. Throughout your story, I see you charting your own path um, and, and really being in the seat of, of deciding what was next for you. Can you just share what was the significance for you charting your own path and what? why do you think entrepreneurship is a option or should be a, a primary option for our military spouse community? Um, for me, it was about freedom, freedom of my time and freedom of, well, yeah, freedom of my time and financial freedom, so to speak, because, you know, for me, it's important for me to contribute to the financial well-being of my household. Like I have financial goals for myself. We have financial goals as a couple, as a yes. family. Um, so whether I'm working a traditional nine to five or running a business, I need to do what I need to do to meet my personal goals first and meet our family goals second. And I say first because I 
am one of those women who prioritize myself first because what I've learned the hard way is that when I don't, I neglect myself. And when I neglect myself and my needs, I'm not, one, I'm not very pleasant to be around. <laughs> and, and two, it, it's, it's just not healthy. It's not healthy for anyone. Um, so, you know, I don't mind saying that, yes, I, 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 I'm very Absolutely. well taken care of. And it's because I demand that I am take care of myself. My husband takes wonderful care of me, but he also pushes me to, you know, do more self-care, take time off, go, go, go and do what you need to do. You know, take care of yourself, take some time off, decompress. And I love that about him that he encourages me to do it to where we, sometimes we'll start feeling that mom guilt. Um, oh, and yeah. you feel a little less guilty when your partner is encouraging you to go and do it. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I forgot what your question was. No, you're fine because you're, you're, you're sliding into that. How you, we were talking about the importance of charting your own path and the significance of entrepreneurship. But I know a lot of people who are listening were wondering like, how is she able to do all these things? And you went right into that. How, and it was, it sounds like to me, you're talking about, um, self-respect you're talking about investing in yourself taking care of yourself now I follow you so I know uh if anyone is gonna talk about um taking care of yourself and and rest Lakeisha is your person if you need somebody to tap you on your shoulder and remind you that you might need to take a nap go get a a facial go get a massage look at Lakeisha's feet I always tell people, if you stick around me long enough, you will be forced to love on yourself, whether you want to or not. Um, yeah, I don't play the whole, I'm busy, the hustle and bustle. Like I don't glorify being busy. I actually hate being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I used to be that I'm going to stay up to three or four o'clock in the morning and be working on this and working on that. And now I'm like, is it eight o'clock yet? Because I'm ready to go um, lay down. It's just, I've learned that whatever work is still on my desk at the end of the night, it's still going to be there when I wake up, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the point of me standing up to three, four o'clock in the morning to get it done? Now, if I have a client project or client needs and we have a hard deadline, yes, I suck it up and I do what I need to do um, for my clients. But for the most part, I am very protective of my downtime. I'm very protective of my schedule. I time block the heck out of my days just so that I have some me time. I have some kid time. I have some husband time. I have time to watch TV. I have time to touch all of my my business needs and projects throughout the day. And when I my head hit that pillow at the end of the night, I don't feel overwhelmed and stressed anymore. No, that is so and I good. know that it is because I've gotten such a tight grip on uh, how I spend my time and where I spend my time. Yeah, so let me unpack that a little bit. So in there, I heard not only are you prioritizing your scheduling via time blocking, and it sounds like you're even building in that self-care time as a part of how you continue to be successful. And I think a lot of people miss that. And and what it boils down to is you're setting healthy boundaries, right? So I know that's something else you advocate for all the time. Tell us a little bit about those healthy boundaries in all types of relationships. 
So just like sleep, setting boundaries is non-negotiable. You know how I say I always get eight hours of sleep regardless. I think sleep is non-negotiable. I think setting healthy boundaries is non-negotiable. Um, it's one of those weird things because, you know, more so now as an adult, I kind of notice how I have so many friends and people that I just adore who have absolutely no boundaries, right? Uh, and yeah. <laughs> they're not even... They're, they're, they don't seem to be bothered by it or seem to worry about it. And I like legit find myself in, intrigued and cringing at the same time and concerned um, by how they kind of just go out into the world without any armor to protect themselves from yes. uh, emotional intrusion. Um, and it, it also may have something to do with, I'm an introvert anyway. Um, and I know you and I have talked about Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram five. So yeah. I'm already uh, sort of reserved and keep to myself and very private. Um, I love to just kind of sit in solitude and just sit by myself and sit in my own thoughts. So for me, setting those healthy boundaries, um, I, I'm not even going to lie and say that it has always been easy because it hasn't. Um, because you, you meet people or you invite people into your life who, like I said, they don't have boundaries. So when you when yeah. you find when you meet someone like me who has such strong boundaries, I can be a bit much <laughs> when you first meet me. Um, the words that I get often are intense. Uh, I'm very curious, is what people say. I hear that often, mm -hmm. um, and I know that it's related to how I guard myself. But I try to be mindful of that I'm not like shutting people out. Right. Um, but there is a process that I have to go through when I meet people, fill them out, get to know them, you know, our energies have to match and, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're letting the right people, um, into your space. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, I self-consciously go through this whole checklist in my head, um, when I meet people to see if all those things are aligned. And if there, if there's this internal red flag that pops up, I run. I run fast. Um, <laughs> I love that I, though. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, I'm a really good, good judge of character and there's just certain energies I just don't mesh with. And that's fine. You know, I don't think we all have to be best friends. Friendly. Yes. Cordial. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, exactly. But just, just because you, your energy doesn't match with someone doesn't mean you have to force to be friends with them. It also doesn't mean you have to be enemies either, you know? Right, right. Um, so knowing these things about myself allows me to set boundaries that um, protects me um, and just protects my space overall. And That's and one all. of the things that I loved, and, and just so everyone is following, I am in Enneagram 3, so I'm <laughs> success all the way. So what Lakeisha has taught me <laughs> is that I, one, need to slow down. And one of my favorite things that you have said in this season, and for those who haven't um, caught on, this is election season, um, we mm -hmm. will find out who the president will be in a couple of days. Um, oh, or or tonight, right, or tonight. And one, yeah. one of the things I have loved that you have said is that you are fierce about protecting your peace. And yes. I think when you said, when that red flag goes up, mm -hmm. you run, that is a way that you're protecting your peace. And I absolutely love that because one of the things that I speak on when I talk about people knowing their circle and who has a seat at your table, you mm -hmm. have to 
protect those seats that are at the table. You don't let anybody in because you're absolutely right. They will push your boundaries if you are not vetting these people. They will disrespect you, especially if you're not already respecting yourself. And mm -hmm. there's something else that you that you say that I absolutely love. You talk about that emotional currency. Can you kind of define what is emotional currency and um, how have you postured yourself to stay in tune kind of with your own emotional currency as you move through um, family and your marriage and in your career? Yeah, I mean, it's really about how much I'm willing to invest and pay out when yeah. it comes to um, how much I'm willing to invest my emotional being into others into relationships and those relationships can be friendships they can be business ships they can be any kind of uh, ships um, but you know when I think about emotional currency I, I really think about okay how much is this relationship going to drain me and, mm. and I'm most introverts go there for their our minds just go there first right right we are like I said, we're very quiet. We're very private people. We like our downtime. We're not fussy. And if something, something or someone just seems too overwhelming or too busy, we're naturally going to walk away um, from it. So if something is very taxing um, on my emotional well-being, I, I tend not to want to connect or be involved at all. I almost don't connect. Yeah. That no, person. That get involved in that situation. That's, that's so good because that goes down to um, something that I use in the care method and that's careful consideration. And you're mm -hmm. assessing the cost. Like what is the cost of dealing yeah. with this person or having this person um, that like choosing to interact with them. And I mm -hmm. think I love that about um, how thoughtful you are when it comes to your relationships, because you're absolutely right. Those outside relationships can impact your marriage, especially you. I know my husband for sure. When I would overcommit and over and just drain <laughs> myself with yes. people, he would, I, I'd come home and I would be like, spent. Again? Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's just like, why are you doing this? Why are you yeah. volunteering? And you come home drained. It impacts mm -hmm. the, the value and the currency I'm able to give to my marriage when I am draining yeah. it out with other people. So I love this concept of that emotional currency. And, and the worst, when you give that energy to other people and then you later realize it was unappreciated. That is mm, like yeah. the worst um, feeling ever. And I think that's also how I've been able to kind of uh, strengthen my, my, my self-worth and boundaries when it comes um, to other people. I've learned the hard way that, you know, people who don't set boundaries, they will always feel attacked by those who do. So mm -hmm. because I'm so strong in my position on how I view myself and how I respect myself and what I expect up from others and how I expect others to treat me. Um, and there's just some, there's just certain things I just will not tolerate simply because I don't treat you that way. Right. Right. Um, so when we're talking about boundaries and you come across people who don't have their boundaries they tend to my experience has been they tend to feel 
um, attack. And, you know, some will even label you as, you know, unkind or selfish or difficult when it's not that at all. It's really just you protecting yourself and protecting your, your space and, and your peace. Um, and it really has nothing to do with the other person. Right. Lakeisha says she said what she said and you thought she was playing. Yeah. So now you're yeah. upset when she's <laughs> holding you to what she, what she said the first time. So no what it comes down to is that, you know, they don't even care enough about themselves to preserve their own sanity and space. Um, right. And that really isn't my battle to fight for them. My right. responsibility is to protect myself and my space. Um, and you're not going to come in here and disrupt my stuff. That's just, you know, how it goes. That's how it goes. I absolutely love it. I think that was, um, that was so well broken down. We could see how you went from being a new male spouse, facing all these challenges, going through entrepreneurship, um, facing challenges head on, and then seeing how you were able to, and I believe it was a growing process. And like you said, you learned the hard way, but at the end of the day, you were able to rise and grow to these different levels of success because you set healthy boundaries, because you invest in yourself and that self-care, because you respect yourself. And also because you have um, your partner in crime um, who, who is supporting you throughout the way in your marriage. And, mm -hmm. I, and I really look at you guys as a power couple Deontay is living that, that, that life right now. He gets to work yes. when he feel like it. So, so you guys are doing, are doing something so right. And I hope more couples are inspired by your story of, of just valuing yourself and willing to bet on yourself via, whether that be entrepreneurship, whether that be putting yourself first and the needs of your own needs before other people. Um, and I just really hope that the listeners out there took something from your amazing story. And I am so grateful that you were willing to be so transparent and just share some of those tools and those lessons that you've learned along the way. Thank you. Yes, it, it's, um, yeah, I can talk about this all night. I really can. But it <laughs> I really know does, it. It really does start with self-worth and, and having that respect um, for yourself. And, you know, the way you believe about and treat yourself really sets the standards about how others um, will treat you. Yeah. I mean, it starts with you. You communicate your self-respect by imposing respectful boundaries on disrespectful behavior um, and boundaries, you know, it doesn't make you, un it doesn't make you unkind or selfish or stuffy um, or boring. I've gotten that one too. Um, setting boundaries allow you to create life on your own terms, which is probably one of the most liberating and exciting things you could ever do for yourself. So don't let people that. talk, don't let people talk you into or out of things that are important to you. You can still be kind and firm at the same time. I love that. Absolutely love that. Well, Lakeisha, before I let you go, we have to do this segment, Heart Tracks. Heart Tracks, if anyone is interested in listening to the playlist, you can find our Heart Tracks on Spotify. But Lakeisha, what is your Heart Track um, for this episode? My Heart Track for this episode is Friends by Beyonce and Jay-Z. Oh, yes. I love that. That is a good one. So tell us, yeah. why did you pick that one as your heart track? 
it just reminds me of my husband. He is he is my ride or die. He is my best friend, and I could not have asked for a better partner in life um, to do this thing with. It just like we are so grateful and blessed to have you know all the opportunities that we've been able to to have over the years and just to finally be in a place where he's home with me every day now that he's retired and he's fully invested with you know being a I don't want to say stay at home dad he hates when I say that but (laughs) he's home and he can help me get the kids up and cook breakfast and, and fix lunch. And now we're homeschooling three kids and he's rocking this, this, this e-learning homeschooling life while I'm, you know, hiding in the office sometimes and working. Yeah. And it's just, we have such an amazing um, relationship and routine now where it just makes life just a little bit more enjoyable now that he's home. So yeah, yeah I love that. Friend. I yeah. love that. You guys have to, if you are not following Lakeisha, make sure you follow her on Facebook. Check out her Instagram. The Mister, you know, he be trying to show up a little bit on social media too. But just watching them, you will be inspired. Um, one of the things that I love, especially because y'all know I love strong military marriages. I love watching how they interact, how they support one another. Some of her best shots on Facebook are taken by him. Let's give him some credit. (laughs) So um, I I absolutely love how you support one another throughout the transition. You've always been a team. You continue to move forward. And um, I hope more couples are inspired to take some of these steps that you have just noted here in this episode and then come out on the other end on that retirement side, liking one another, right? (laughs) Enjoying one another's company and still feeling like y'all are a dynamic duo, a power couple, and just ready to go after anything, whether it's homeschooling or building the enterprise that y'all are building. So that is fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yes. This was fun. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us and everyone. I will make sure to link all the ways that you can get in touch with Lakeisha Cole. You can get in touch with her at our website, LakeishaCole.com, and you'll get all of the social media links. Thank you again, Lakeisha, for joining us. This has been another episode of Hearts and Stripes podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. This is Hearts and Stripes. We are the few, the proud, that aim high and are forged by love. Always ready, always there. We are Mill Marriage Strong.